Popcorn Heist is an interactive community of pop culture lovers that spans multiple mediums. We dive deep into TV shows and movies of the past, present, and future to bring you the hottest takes and the coldest truths. Do you have what it takes? Join the heist. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Popcorn Heist, the podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Jake. Welcome back. We are in person together, Jake and I. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yep. In our old studio. It's it's good to be back. Oh, yeah. But if you are just stumbling upon Popcorn Heist, the podcast for the first time, Popcorn Heist is a brand that Nick and I created some time ago. I think it's been uh, just over two years ago. We created this brand to share pop culture content with fans, created by fans. But Popcorn Heist, the podcast specifically, is a podcast where we can nerd out about the particular franchises that we love the most, such as Marvel, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Disney, um, I don't know at this point, literally anything. (laughs) But in this case, it's Avatar the Last Airbender, Avatar the Last Airbender, that whole universe, specifically The Legend of Korra. Um, So we release episodes every Thursday, and if you like an episode that you listen to, we please ask you to give us a review and a follow on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. We really appreciate you. Um, We'd be remiss if we didn't also mention the other podcast on our Popcorn Heist Network. Very fancy of us, I know. Created a network. Uh, (laughs) The other podcast is called A Simps Guide to the MCU, hosted by our friends Alyssa and Kelly. And they discuss the bromances, romances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from a simps point of view. And you can find that at new episodes every Saturday on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, things of the sort. And if you want more pop culture content, you can visit us on Instagram at Popcorn Heist or on our website, popcornheist.com. We have blog posts, brackets, polls, uh, Trivia Tuesday, all things of the sort. We got some great articles. We got it all. We got it all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, Nick, this is a segment that we recently debuted. Yep, this is this is the second of a very important segment to us. Um, yes. Pop, as we've mentioned in prior podcasts, Jake and I were roommates in college, so many of our uh, nerd out moments have been after a few drinks. So something we've wanted to do since the beginning of the podcast is get a few drinks in us on the podcast and uh, kind of just go on rants like we've done many times with each other. So um, yeah, Wine and Rant is something where we, we, we host on our podcast and we have a few drinks and... Sometimes it's wine, sometimes it's not. The last few times it's been wine. Um, and we kind of just roast things and toast <laughs> things and rant about things yeah, and can, whine can, about things. It can be overtly positive. Like if we love something, then we'll whine and rant about how much we love something. If it's like something we hate or something we just love to, to roast, and then we can. Uh, it could be overtly negative or it could be a little bit of both. I, I like to think that sometimes it's a little bit of both. You I, know? Think we're, I think we're pretty fair. We're, we're usually somewhere in between. Perfectly balanced. Um, there's also something <laughs> – Quote. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that other people love and we don't like. There's a lot of things that other people hate and we, we love. So um, I wonder where today's podcast will find us. I wonder. I wonder. But it, yeah, like it's sort of like – an elaborate sort of drinking game almost because we have five basic rules that uh span across all wine and rants that we're going to do they're going to carry over we follow these rules and if one of them one of us breaks them then we have to drink during the episode 
we're already going to be drinking consistently during the episode, but if we break one of these rules, then we have to... You definitely have to drink. You definitely have to drink. (laughs) So, Nick, why don't you take us through the five main rules of Wine and Rant? Yes, why don't I? Um, So the five main rules of Wine and Rant, as you know, uh, Jake and I like to quote things randomly. uh, And the first rule is an ad-lib quote. If one of us just kind of throws off a quote off the cuff, um, not necessarily like referencing a quote from the show we're talking about, but just like, I don't know what, just throws out a quote. Um, You got to drink. Yes. It could be from the franchise or from a random movie or part of life. This This is true. Um... Fictional, non-fictional, all those, all those good stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, second, second rule is if we brutally roast a person, whether they be fictional or non-fictional, it could be a character from the show we're talking about, a uh, director, uh, an actor, um, family member, friend, anyone, anyone. Um, three, we call it frazzle stroke. It's kind of just when you like have a stroke because you're getting so frustrated about something, or you just lose your train of thought about stumble something. stumble over just... your words, like <laughs> just turn red in the face. Yeah, <laughs> you're just going off about something, and you get. You get a little bit of a stroke, you know. You know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fourth rule is if we give someone a random nickname, uh, we tend to do that a lot, especially when we forget names. We just kind of throw out nicknames here and there. Definitely. Happens all the time. Um, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts or our live live streams, um, we love a random nickname. Especially you. Yeah. I would say oh. that, that's, mainly oh, yeah. a, that's mainly a nickname. That's, <laughs> that's a rule that's going to apply to me a lot more than Jake. I kind of just am like, yeah, what's his name? <laughs> um, and the last rule is if we convince other the other of something. So if if Jake or, or I or any of the guests on the podcast believe something, and the other one kind of throws out a good point and um, kind of makes the the original person number one kind of go back and be like, yeah, that's a good point. I I agree. Um, then the person who is convinced gets to drink. Yeah. So we're really just unleashed off the cuff, you know, with our movie reviews and with our versus battles. You know, we kind of have a specific topic. But um, while we do have an overarching topic for Wine and Rants, we kind of can just go off the leash, off the cuff, just give our opinions, be true fans, because that's kind of like, I think that's why this segment is so important to us, because like we designed Popcorn Heist to be a place for fans to like share their opinions, and this is where we can truly just like really go at it and like share what we feel about it. Yeah, and like I said, I think there's just so many conversations we've had that have been like hilarious, and (laughs) many of them have involved some some drinks in them, and... um, it's just like why not? Why not just go on rants about things? Cause yes, we, we we have uncovered some gold off the podcast. Why when not? We've, when we've just been ranting about things, so why not? Why not try it on the podcast? Why not? But if you haven't guessed from the name of this episode title, uh, this wine and rant will be about the Legend of Korra, the sequel series to Avatar: The Last Airbender. What of? I think it's Nick's favorite show of all time, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, Avatar: The Last Airbender is my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time. Probably my favorite show, but. Every, there's so many shows that have there. There are so many shows out there, but I think it's you've made it like. One I think of my it's favorite my favorite show because it's consistently great throughout. Um, Legend of Korra. I'm also I've also watched Legend of Korra multiple times, um, and I just I love the Avatar universe. I just think it's such a there's so much there's so much opportunity in the universe. So the Legend of Korra is really the first project that explored that. So um, I know the fandom has many thoughts about Legend of Korra, positive and negative. So I think it's. It's time we talk about it. Yeah, which is why we felt it was like a good wine and rant topic because a lot of people don't like like to say how it's not as good as Avatar or Last Airbender. Some people, there are fans like Nick and I, I know we love Legend of Korra. We felt it was very like equally there were enough fans that liked it and didn't like it that we can have a wine and rant about I know it. fans that like Legend of Korra more than Avatar. I also know fans that hate Legend of Korra. Yeah. And love Avatar. So um, 
I also know fans that hated Legend of Korra until it was put on Netflix, and you know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I've, I've been a Legend of Korra fan since I started it, so. Yes. So, with that, we raise our cups. To nerds of all, we offer this toast. An episode filled with drinks and roasts. For on-screen favorites of yours and mine. Come join us as we rant and whine. Cheers. Cheers. Again, a little toast for you. <laughs> um, yeah, so... So, before well, we... Well, let's, let's... Before we start, we're drinking a wine called Seven Moon. Seven Moons. Seven Moons. Um, Avatar is heavily based around the moon, especially the waterbenders, and Cora is a native waterbender, so we felt it was a fitting wine to, to choose for this episode. Exactly, yeah. And it won't always be wine if we feel like beer may be a better fit, or uh, whiskey, or gin and tonics, or fireball we even considered for avatar <laughs> but i was like well, i cannot sit fireball for an entire episode i would literally but we not. will be whining we will be whining and ranting yes. we whine a lot we definitely whine and we rant so um we'll even if we're not drinking wine we'll be whining about something we'll be whining and ranting but we will not be falling into toxic habits uh here because we're allowed to go off the leash but we won't be doing anything of the sort not a lot <laughs> <laughs> but anyway even though it's a wine and rant, and we just did our fun little toast there, doesn't exclude us from doing a quote of the episode. You know this. If you've listened to Popcorn Heights, the podcast before, we always do a quote of the episode. And if you haven't listened to us before, we'll get used to it. We do a quote of the episode <laughs> every episode. Um, yeah, so this quote, I think a great place to start with Legend of Korra is kind of like how it builds off Avatar Less Airbender. And I think this quote really kind of captures the the way it addresses Avatar in some ways. Um, and it's said by Toph Bayfine, season four of The Legend of Korra. And um, it's when Korra is asking about the final battle of Avatar The Last Airbender, which is like a, I think it's a four-part episode. Yep. And uh, super great battle. And this is, this is what Toph has to say about it. Oh, yeah. It was hot. I was on a blimp. And I think a giant turtle showed up. Wow. What a day. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> just such a way with words yeah Toph. which i think captures Toph well, and i think something we should talk about is how cora addresses avatar and why not have that be our first topic so i thought that was a good quote to to start us off well a lot of people do not like how little ang mm -hmm. and a really majority of uh team avatar from the original avatar the last Airbender has to do with Korra, you know, you have a little bit of Aang in uh, season one. Obviously, there's some flashbacks, and then he he appears in the last episode. Um, but there's really no Sokka, maybe a couple of flashbacks in mm. the entirety of Legend of Korra. Katara's here, is there, here and there. Toph plays a pretty big part in mm. season four. But a, a major complaint of a lot of Avatar fans is, why isn't there more Aang in in Legend of Korra, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? So so yeah, I think that's something. Whenever I tell someone to start the Legend of Korra, I say you have to think of it as a different show than Avatar. I think in a lot of ways, not just how they address the old characters, in a lot of other ways that I'm sure we'll get to. Like a, a lot of what you know about the mechanics of the universe, I wouldn't say are thrown out, but they're just different when they apply to the characters that you're watching. Um, and I think that another reason I tell people like this isn't this isn't necessarily a sequel to Avatar like this is a something that happens in the same universe like mm -hmm. you have to accept it as a different show is because of the way they treat 
some of the characters from Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, it's if you want more of them, you have to go read the comics and stuff. If, if you're looking for more of them, I don't know if Korra is, like, the best outlet for it. Um, I wish Aang was in it a little bit more, but again, it's like trying to pass the torch to Korra, and you know what? He did. So... <laughs> You 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 tell people to treat it in a different universe, really? Not a different universe, but like you you can't. It's not a sequel. It's not a sequel. It's not meant to be a sequel. It's meant to be a the same a show that happens in the same universe. It's an anthology, almost. You, you would say. Mm. I would consider it a sequel because like she's the next Avatar. It's after, a sequel show, but but I, it's not a direct sequel to the to the Avatar show because it's not tackling any of the same problems. A lot of the characters are not like a lot of the characters from the original are not in it like it's not trying to be here's what happened to the characters from avatar it's trying to be here's the next generation of the avatar characters and like even more so than when you know we love star wars like star wars tries to pass the torch but still touches a lot on the old characters like this is very much like torch is passed you're not going to get that much of the avatar the last airbender characters and it's just kind of something you have to accept going into it i think the only one that i feel they gave enough screen time to to like really satisfy me was tough and they only did it in one season mm-hmm. um i think Sokka was in none of it which is like fine you can't put all of them in it uh ang was like not in that much but what, whatever what, what did you have liked to get it like a, a couple more scenes with with Sokka? i i, I would have liked a couple more scenes with Sokka, but you know what he did too he did so i'm like fine with it i think where they messed up is with mainly katara and zuko because they're in it but they That's don't right. really Zuko too. Yeah, they don't really do much. And like even Iroh's in it, and he does like, the perfect amount. But Katara, like the whole thing in season two, when all the stuff is going on at the Southern Water Tribe, should have done more. Should have done had one scene where she did something yeah. like really yeah. badass. That, I would have loved to see her in action. They purposely kept kept her out of scenes with Yikon, who's the other Waterbender slash Bloodbender, so they wouldn't have to address who would win in a fight. Um, Zuko gets bodied by Gazan, the lava bender, like absolutely bodied in one second. And then he just runs away on his dragon, like later in the season. Like he doesn't really do anything. I wish they gave them each a moment of substance. And I think they did that well with Toph where like, she's like, you gotta let the younger people do the fight. But she still has a moment where she like scares Kuvira away. So, but the thing is like, is Zuko really like that great of a firebender? He beats Azula! He not really though. He's the Fire Lord. Yeah, he's a Fire Lord, but like Come I on. no don't no give me. I love Zuko. He's my favorite Avatar character. But like he has this. He has like the knowledge and the skill. He has he has the knowledge. Like Ira passes on lightning redirection, but he technically doesn't beat Azula. It's really Katara that kind of like beats Azula. Oh, but he was beating her. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true. She does. She is the one who beats Azula. But. He only loses because he sacrificed himself, and he's winning the whole time. Do you think so? Yeah, I think he would have won, but that's beside the we, point. But, but think... like weak in mental state, like Azula's like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, but still contending with Azula, like you think Gazan after, and this is when Zuko and Azula are like, I think he's like sixteen, and Azula's like fifteen. Like after all these years, you think Zuko couldn't beat? Gazan, the random lava bender, who I think is powerful, but I I don't know. I think that they had cool moments where he was brought in, like they brought Zuko in. It's like, yes, Zuko's here, like Scar's here, and then it's 
maybe do you think he's like really come into play with many lava benders? So I mean, we didn't really experience lava benders yeah, that much. I don't in, know. I think... Avatar, barely at all. Right? Lava benders don't make an appearance in Avatar: The Last No, not a, except except for past avatars. But that's a whole different story. We can get into a whole wonder rant about the, yeah. the bending capabilities. Um, I don't know. I just wish that he he had a moment where he like really did something awesome. Like even Toph has not that many action scenes, but when she does, it's like. The villain is the main villain, Kuvira. One of the main villains of the show is like scared of her, and like it's like okay, I'll let him get away. Well, throughout the whole show, you know that Toph has a reputation. Like she started the police academy, like the metal benders and stuff. Like she's she's mo. I think aside from Aang, which obviously Korra being the Avatar, you have to address Aang. Like Toph is the one that's mentioned the most. Like yeah, I think she has a, a big role to play. But I think that all of the main avatar characters after the show ends and like they and eventually grow up i think they all i i thought that they all were considered to be like the most powerful people in each of their arts and like they pretty much ran, ran the world after that that is true the world the gang the gang <laughs> <laughs> that counts as a quote i'll count that yeah i'll count that as a quote that's a what that's beyonce right yeah, who run the world yeah but i yeah. slightly changed it yeah. from girls girls to the gang the still gang. counts <laughs> So, I haven't read the books yet. I have one of the books upstairs, actually. Um, but like, where is Azula at this point? Like, how come are people or are, are, were fans upset that they didn't address her? Or what happened to her after after the last Airbender? So I think um, I don't think they ever got to a comic where she was fully redeemed. I, I haven't read all the comics. I'll be honest, but I know that her and Zuko afterwards like are looking for their mother, who like had her face stolen on purpose that's the uh that's a comic i have the yeah search. and yeah. i i don't think she's ever fully redeemed like she's still a little crazy i think she takes care of some of her mommy issues but um i don't think she's ever fully redeemed and i i thought that when they introduced um plea the sparky sparky boom girl with the eye tattoo <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was gonna be azula is that a random nickname or did they call a sparky sparky no boom they girl? well they call sparky sparky boom they call they call combustion man sparky sparky boom man and Av- sparky sparky boom man and avatar okay so i'm i named her sparky sparky boom girl so i'll, I'll drink to that drink <laughs> get out of here drink <laughs> i'll drink i'll drink but yeah i thought when they introduced her it was gonna be azula in the cage that would have been awesome but then again how could they have azula be like secondary to Zaheer and stuff. But I thought he was yeah. going to be part of that squad. That, that, that would have been really... But I, I totally agree. Like, but that, it wouldn't that, have that, w- that would have undermined her. Yeah, it wouldn't have made sense. But I thought it was going to be her. I was like, that's all cool. Because Azula is my favorite. Yeah. But... So... Yeah, so she kind of like... It's unclear where she really nets yeah, out. Yeah, but I that think point. that's what I'm trying to say about Korra, where like it's not really trying to answer all your questions from Avatar. Like They'll do that in comics and other stuff. Like It's just about a new group of people in the universe. I feel like you, it's kind of silly to expect that, going at, like knowing that it's the next Avatar and Avatar Squad is so old. Like, yeah, they should be powerhouses, but they're also old as hell. Like... Give me a break. Like old. Like when you I know first quote that is? Old. I feel like I should know what that quote is. That's it's Elena so... Tyrell from Game of Thrones. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about Cersei marrying Loras. Anyway, I'll drink. Drink. Um Yeah, I went into when I first watched Korra, I watched it literally right after Avatar the Last Airbender. Did not cross my mind once. I did like I was like, Oh, oh. it's oh it's weird that Aang isn't like in this a little bit more, but I was like 
this is like really cool. This is makes sense. It's years after Avatar the Last Airbender. The technology's different. Like how they're advancing that. It's new stuff that they're introducing us to. New villain every season is really cool rather than it being the exact same. Like why do we want more the exact same? It, I, I don't know. I, I like Korra a lot. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think, again, you just have to like take it as a different show. I think the most glaring one to me, and maybe it's because I, I like that. I like she's not my favorite character, but I low-key love her. I think Katara was really sidelined because she is actually in it. And they just don't use her. She's just like healing people the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, do some one thing. Just give me one thing. Um, <coughs> I think Katara is really my main complaint, and Zuko would be second to, to that. Um, but like Sokka, Zula, like they're just not in it. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I think also another jarring thing when you enter Korra is the differences in the time period where you're like in the Roaring Twenties now, and it's just such a jarring difference. Because I started Korra right after I finished Avatar two, and it's like so different. Like. The the setting is really different, especially in season one when they're in Liberty City, right? No, not Liberty City. Uh, Republic City. Republic City. Liberty City is from GTA 4. <laughs> um, in Republic City. Um, it's just such a, like, jarring setting difference that I think that a lot of people don't like that switch if you go right from Avatar to Korra. Which I didn't like at first, and I think it grew on me over time. I really think it, like, just didn't phase me at all. To be honest, when I first watched it. I think maybe because before you started, I told you to think of it as a different show. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought that was one, another jarring thing to me was just like the setting change. But it ended up being fine because it allowed you to see the inv- advancement in society. Okay, but like what 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 was really that different besides there being like cars and radio? It's weird. There's cars and radio. That's huge. And, like, there's, like, the mob. And they have pro-bending, like... We'll get into the whole pro-bending plotline, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. It's just very different. Um, yeah, I think it's just a jarring change from Avatar. But, but again, I think it works. I think it's fine. But I think that that makes the transition, if you're going into the show, thing that's a sequel to be more difficult. Yeah, if you're going in... I mean, if you're expecting the exact same thing, which you should... Logically... You shouldn't be. How many? How how old is Aang in, in Avatar: Lesser Bender? What like, is he? Ten? No, he's like fourteen. Yeah, maybe thirteen. He's definitely younger than Katara, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think he's a year younger. I'm not sure now. Okay, he's he's anywhere between 10, 10 to fourteen, and how old is he like when he 13. when he died? He was sixty five. Yeah. Fifty years later, think about how much technology has progressed in fifty years in in reality. I, and it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. But I think that going in expecting a sequel, it's is where a lot of people, their hate for Korra comes from. Hate's so strong to be like, how can... that? That's just weird to well, me. Well, now their hate's gone because it's on Netflix, so they rewatched it and realized it's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you what do you think about um, the different villains, like, across... Like, each season is very, very and different in Korra compared to Avatar, whereas, like... Each season is a different book, like different element. It's still pretty like linear throughout mm-hmm. throughout Avatar: Last Airbender. I I think that's something that I like. Like I, I love. I think Avatar, like the beauty of it is that the whole story is one story. Like, but each episode is within itself. Um, I think that Korra, 
because I thought it was only going to be one season, they had to like solve the issue in the first season, and they kind of just kept it going each season. Mm-hmm. And I think it works a lot of the time. I will say, I think where Korra doesn't do as great a job as Avatar is, and it, this is probably because it has less episodes in each season, which I think Nickelodeon cut the episode count. Um, I think it doesn't do as great a job within each episode telling a story. Like, I think you have to watch every episode in the context of what's happening within that season. Um, where Avatar, like, you can pick up an episode and be like, and, and like, watch a mini little story. Uh, Korra doesn't do that, but I, I, I think that's something I don't love as much about Korra, but it's, each season, like, tells, like, a story real quick. Like, a whole story gets done real quick. They did, so they did that in Avatar where, like, each episode tells, like, a very succinct story, but they also have those episodes where there's multiple stories in different perspectives. You know, when they're in, uh... uh Sing Sai. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. And I, I like that they do things like that in Avatar, and they don't really have the opportunity to do that in Korra. It's very much like, here's what's happening right now, and here's what what's going to happen in this episode to get to the next episode. Yeah, it, it's very different structurally than, than it yeah. is Avatar. Which, which I... I don't, I, I don't dislike. Like, I, I like that each season is kind of its own different thing. I like that each season is, is its own thing, but I don't love that I... If I pick up an episode, like right now, if I just pick a random episode of Korra, I don't think I'll enjoy it as much if I pick a random episode of Avatar. But again, they're not the same show, so you shouldn't be comparing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I I do like that each, I think you get, I think the Korra villains are outstanding. So good. I think all of them are awesome in their own way. Um, We should probably discuss each each villain uh, in depth, but... I like that you get like a different problem from each villain, and then Korra grows from each of the problems. And I think Korra's development because of all the villains is effective because she really is very arrogant in the first two seasons, and then she really isn't. She's not like as powerful as Aang, to be honest. <laughs> like really, it's like I, I, I mm. when I think of Korra in my head right now, I think of like all the scenes of like <laughs> anytime she's gone up against a villain, she's been like literally bodied by them i don't know but she's always at a disadvantage because they don't i think they cora is trying to be like the avatar is the most powerful but they also are human so they go through like human stuff Mm -hmm. so therefore her fights are always affected by poison or ptsd or the other person absorbing vatu (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I don't know. I think that they do. I think because there's different villains, Korra, like, you can see the growth through each season, though, from yeah. each villain. And I think they do a good job of taking on, and I think they even have another top quote in season four. I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something like, what did each of, what did you learn from each of these villains from the past three seasons? And Korra, like, talks about each of them, and um, Toph's like, those guys were crazy, but, like, you should learn something from each of them, pretty much. Yeah. I forget the exact quote. Um, Toph think... has such a way to like to <laughs> distill words of wisdom like, down but to. But those guys were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's like what Cora does really well is like, a mom was crazy, but also kind of had a point. Um, Unalak was crazy, but also kind of had a point. And Cora opens the spirit world because of it. Zahir, Zahir was crazy, but then like, she kind of works with the monarchs of the world to make it a little bit more of a free world and like. It may be a controversial opinion, like, Aang's main arc was sort of taking down, like, a fascist point of view with the Fire Nation and the Fire Lord Ozai. 
Cora had some more gray area decisions uh-huh. and more gray area complications to overcome in each season which like again she learned something from each of them like ang like i feel like he learned stuff but like there was nothing he really learned from fire lord ozai like it was mm-hmm. a clear like this guy's a fascist like i'm taking him down you know whereas cora you can argue that like her villains posed some more difficult questions and more difficult decisions to her it's absolutely I don't even know if it's an argument. I think it's definitely true. I think Fire Lord Oza is like very much an anime. Like, here's this powerful guy, villain. Yeah. Not saying all anime, anime villains are one-dimensional, but he's very much a one-dimensional villain that's just super powerful and like Aang has to take him down. And mm-hmm. I think that's like... Which is cool. Like, if that's, that's done cool. well and he, they do it well I with think, him. I think it's exactly what it has to be in the show. I think it's like they're more focused on the growth of the young characters. Mm-hmm. So they need that like looming threat um, to like keep the show going i think cora becomes like the villains are a little bit more like trying to tackle mature issues but like go too far yeah and cora has to learn from each of them and exactly and i think that avatar set the stage for that evolution in cora because before avatar i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like at least in our generation avatar is the first show i can think of that really like had an overarching story and dealt with issues like that of like a fascist regime like taking over and like occupying other countries and like belittling other like i guess you can call them like races if, if you want to call the el- the elemental regions mm. like different race like it was the first kind of show of, of that kind for our generation i feel like yeah so that was like it's a very basic idea because it's rooted in like our reality and history and it kind of paved the way for like all right we established like that kid shows can be like this an avatar and now people like that and then cora they were able to take it to more mature like gray area uh like ideas and And, yeah and i think something else that they tackled well in avatar and then continued even further into cora is like past trauma like katara had to address her past trauma azuko had to address his past trauma Mm -hmm. azula was supposed to address it but didn't which is why she like went crazy um and then cora they it's mainly through cora you don't really see it as much with the other characters um they do a great job of actually having her deal with her past traumas, which a lot of people don't like that season four. She spends half of it like dealing with PTSD, but it's a very real issue that like is kind of relatable, like going through depression, go- going through PTSD. So they, I think they did a good job of like actually taking the past drama, the, the past trauma stuff and like making it something that is a driving plot point of a, of a season, of a final season. Mm-hmm. She literally spends half the fourth season not herself crazy which is a rough decision and i think that's maybe was very off-putting to me when i first watched cora where the final season was like she was like basically being just like bodied by kuvira the entire season i like that i think that's something that a lot of people don't like um but i i like that i like that i like a lasting consequence and i think that except for season one Cora does a good job of leaving lasting consequences. She loses her betting in season one and immediately gets it back. I'm sure if they were making more, if they knew they were making more seasons, they would have had her lose her betting for longer. Um, and then season two, she loses connection to Rava and all the past avatars. Huge repercussions. Season three, big repercussions. She has PTSD for halfway through season four. So I think that that's something that they do well too. Like, I'm not gonna. You can't fight. Four super powerful villains and have no repercussions from any of them. So I think 
they needed to have her like lose something from each one. And I think the only one they fell short on was Amon because they had to give her a bending back before they thought the show was going to end in season one. Because they thought it was only going to be one season. So they can't have her. Oh, bending. really? Yeah, they can't have her lose her bending and the show ends. And they thought they were only going to have one season, yeah. Honestly, that's a, the season one's great. Amon's a great villain. He's scary. Amon's scary as He's hell. He's scary. Amon's voice actor is perfect. And they have great voice actors in this yes, show. Yes, yes. Great, great voice, voice actors. And Bloodbending is like... Like I, I love that they expanded on that in Korra because yeah. that's like huge in Avatar. You're like, why doesn't every waterbender like learn blood? Which is another thing like when I think about like, all right, Korra like really went head in, head first into like the spiritual side of the Avatar mythology. It went heavy into blood bending. It went heavy into like the variant types of bending, like lava bending, uh, combustion bending, um whatchamacallit flight for zaheer like it's it begs the question like there have been tons of other avatars before ang like is it believable that like ton more all these villains for all these variant bendings and like spiritual problems are coming out just now with Korra, but it didn't happen at all in ang's lifetime i i think they try to address that a little bit in Korra and don't nail it home either when they're like talking back about all the villains in Korra. It's like, oh, I feel like every time I defeat a villain, like a new villain comes up. Um, and they're kind of like, yeah, if you like, there's always going to be problems in the world. Um, I don't think they nailed it home where like it doesn't necessarily make sense that all these, all these people come up within like a few years for in, within Korra's life. Um, Aang only, I guess, didn't have that because, like, the Fire Lord was, like, the main villain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand up to him. I guess he had a, lot, a few smaller villains within it, but, um, I don't know. I guess it's just different. I'm sure if you go into past Avatar lives before Aang, though, there are other villains. Yeah, and... It, I mean, the face dealer, like, mentions he, like, stole one of the Avatar's girlfriend's face faces. True. So, yeah. like, I'm, they each did have stuff going on, but it seems like Korra had a lot. It she really did. to, I mean, in, in himself is like Th- that's what I'm saying. Line. Like it's, it, I'm, I'm wondering like why just now is like all the spiritual stuff coming out. You would think after so many avatars, harmonic conversions. Like, I guess, like, <laughs> and I, and I guess they kind of solved that issue because Aang was in the ice for a like hundred years, so like he didn't really have anybody around to like teach him or anything. He kind of just was like in in a whole new world. Uh, you know. A whole new, new world. world. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it is... Um, I think they do come out quick in Korra. It's like, villain, villain, villain. But you know what? They have to make a show. So that's what they do. But you, honestly... You need a villain to make a show. I love all the villains. I love them too. They're all great. Like, you, you, you're the... After I watched Korra, you were like, you know, people don't really... People hate season two. People don't like... Uh, Unalak that much and I was like how do people not like Unalak like he's a cool villain yeah I think so, so I actually wanted to talk about season 2 specifically because okay. a lot of people hate this season a lot of people hate season 2 I I get like Unalak is a clear villain from like episode 1 it's like he's trying to take it away from Tenzin has an evil voice <laughs> like you know um, I think that's why people kind of didn't like him um, I also think think that people were like why are you gonna put the biggest threat which is like the dark avatar in season two like, why wouldn't you make that the final villain um but i liked a lot of the spirit world stuff i thought that was really cool i, I do really think really cool i do think at the end it gets a little bit too like 
Okay. Now she's like large and blue, and now he's. Bomb. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's a quote because that's a sound. We've quoted – it was actually the quote of the episode for the Avatar Versus series. Um, but that's a sound that Unavatu makes when he shoots his beams at Korra. <laughs> but, yeah, she's big and blue. He's he's big and red. Like, it gets a little bit outlandish at the end. And then Janora, like, kind of just comes down and is like, here's some light. So Rava's going to come she back. solves it? Yeah. I mean, Korra loses Rava and then they kill yeah. Rava. And she becomes big and blue because she just uses some spirit power that they don't explain. And then Janora comes down from, like, the spirit world and, like, shows some light. And then she, like, finds Rava in, Vatu, in Unavatu. Yeah, because the explanation like was little... that, like, you can't destroy. Like, there's always going to be lightness in the dark. Yeah, of... and I, I do, I feel like the ending was a little bit like, okay, let's take it down a notch. We don't need all this stuff that's not really that explained. Um, I think everything until, like, Unalak, where Unavatu becomes, like, big and red is really cool, though. And then, like, after that, it becomes a little bit outlandish. But everything up to then, I, like, love. The battle between when he, like, first merges with Vatu, and they're, before like... Before it becomes big. Before right? it becomes yeah. big and red. Like, and they're, like, in the spirit world for a little bit, and then they, like, come out of the spirit world, and they're, like, fighting in the snow, and then he, like, pulls Rava out of her face. It's such a good In the battle. portals, like, when they're, like, flying, where they're pushing each other through the portals and stuff to the spirit world, right? Yeah, they, they, they start the fight in the spirit world, and then they come out together. They, like, push each other out of yeah. the spirit world. And then they're, like, fighting in the snow. And she's, like, using earth bending on, like, the floor, but then he's using, like, water bending on the floor. It's like, really And then he's, cool. like, crushing her. Oh. Go, if you're watching this episode, go back and watch that battle. That's, like, one of my favorite battles. I can't explain it. Like, the moves they do in that, they're just so cool. That's another thing that offers a lot of, like, more opportunities in Korra is that you don't have to spend the time of her learning all the elements because she pretty much knows all the elements already. But, again, I actually wanted to mention this earlier. When I was talking about things that are jarring when you come into Legend of Korra, the fact that she knows three of the elements is jarring because Aang took three seasons to master the other three elements other than air it's like the first scene she's like five years old and she can master all the elements which i think at first i really didn't like it makes sense with her character because that's why she's so arrogant and why she has to end up growing so much like personality wise because she had so much natural talent but like at first i was like i don't like that at all it's arrogant but it's also like a, another way of being like listen uh, right out front this is not avatar the last time i did like again which is jarring for some people and was jarring for me when I first started. But I, I think it, I think it makes sense for Cora's character. Like now, that it definitely watched, does. Now that I watch, watch the whole show, I think it makes sense. Like this is why she's arrogant. She had the, she had it easy. Yeah. She was sheltered for however many years until she had to learn airbending. Um, Which is cool. That's really cool because we spent an entire we spent three seasons. Uh, I can't remember four seasons. Three Avatar? seasons. Three, three seasons. Three seasons. Three. I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll count that as frazzle stroke. <laughs> um, we spent three seasons with someone whose main strength was airbending. Flip side that, now we got to find someone who like doesn't know how to how to airbend and has to kind of learn how do you embrace the sides, which is like kind of the opposite of firebending and kind of the opposite of airbending, I mean, uh, earthbending. You know, Aang had such a hard time earthbending. I thought that was really cool. The scenes where like Tenzin was trying to teach her like move like the leaf through uh through the challenges uh in the earth mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. air island right yeah i i and i think that's the complaint some people also have like they just try to do the exact opposite of avatar um 
I do think it's cool um, that they have to teach her airbending and you actually learn how airbending is learned because you don't see that in Avatar. And I like that not only do they have Korra grow throughout that process and like kind of get what it means to be an airbender, they also have Tenzin grow throughout that process because he's teaching someone he's not used to teaching. He's teaching someone who's clearly not an airbender. So like he has to learn how to teach her in ways he wouldn't have to teach other people. And like he hates pro bending, and then he ends up liking pro bending—not liking pro bending, but like ends up rooting for Cora because he cares about her, and ends up finding it to be a helpful teaching tool for Cora because it works for her. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like awesome too, and I love Tenzin. Can we talk? You, you mentioned it earlier, voice acting, J.K. Simmons. Love, so good love jake and yeah. simmons he's like one of my favorite actors of all time yeah and i hated yeah. tenzin at first i didn't like him at first really like what is there to like he's so different than ang he's so boring like i like a fun character he's not boring and he's I got hate... like that funny like he gets but like frustrated i, I at... thought he was super annoying at first okay and i end up i ended up loving tenzin i think he's like there's so many heartfelt scenes with him when he's fighting zaheer and and co and he's like beating zaheer and Zahir and everyone else like butts in and then he's like standing up for corn he's like if I'm still breathing it's not over he's like one of my favorite characters by the end I like Tenzin um, so he's he's a character that I didn't love at first but I ended up loving yeah he he's definitely really cool I like all of Aang's children to be honest yeah Boomy you don't like okay. Boomy? Kai is okay too they don't really do much Kai's like okay but like I like, I like Boomy he's funny like, Tenzin's my favorite by far though how cool can we talk about like there's so many cool things that they developed in Coralite that were just not addressed in Avatar because obviously Avatar was which is not a fault of Avatar because Avatar was its own thing like it was it clearly had a, an overarching story but like there's so many things that I feel like Korra developed really well like how do non-benders relate to actual benders which leads to the Amon storyline the entire airbending race was wiped out in Avatar The Last Airbender. And you talk, and then they bring into the whole storyline of season three of how opening the spirit portals brings back airbending and random people. I thought that was so cool. Season three, that was a, a super cool part of season three. Yeah, I agree. And at first, I, again, I don't think that was something that I liked that all the airbenders just came back because I was like, really? Oh. I was like, oh, like, I thought there, like, I thought there was going to be some repercussions to the Fire Lord, but it's something I ended up liking. And I think it also helped kind of feed into Korra's, like, storyline, too, because Tenzin's like, Korra, you're like the best avatar you brought back airbenders, and she's still, like, depressed. Anyway, you know? Mm hmm. She still has, like, all this past trauma, and he's like, I'm so proud of you, though. And she's like, but it doesn't negate all the past traumas that I have. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I like that. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think her opening the spirit portals was, like, a big moment in the show. I don't know. I, I, I also think a lot of the – something that a lot of people hate is the whole Rava thing. Like, she loses connection to Rava. She loses connection to Rava. I get it. She can't talk to the last avatars, but Korra's, like, the – next avatar in a new era which her losing connection to rava and then opening the spirit portals it's like this is a this is a new world which is why i like it a little bit yeah it is i could see why people don't like it i could see why people don't like it but there has to be lasting repercussions and like that's such a good one and she still had connection to them at one point like she's still a reincarnation of them 
It's not like she doesn't have their, like, power somewhere within her, I feel. Like, it's, she's still a reinc- she was still a reincarnation of Aang. Oh, she's still a reincarnation of them, but, like, I think that's a big fault of, like, it could have, it diminished the possibilities of her being able to talk to Aang or, um... Yeah, but who cares? Roku. She don't or... need no Aang. But, like, she Aang... She still has Rava. I know, but this is only the second... And Rob had connection to all these avatars for years, too. This is only the second anthology I, series I in, in the Avatar universe. And people fell in love with Aang. Like, how could you not fall in love with Aang? But it's not his story anymore. What, are you going to have Aang if they do another avatar show? Are you going to have Aang in it? No, but, like, you could have Roku or Kyoshi or, like, any of the other avatars. Or I get it, but I don't know. I think... Rava had that connection with all the avatars for all of their lifetimes, and she still has a connection with Korra. So, like, there is still that some type of connection there, even if it's not direct. And Korra's a reincarnation of all them. I don't. I think it was nice to see her not have to rely on them all the time. I and gave her a bending back. They've done enough. No, no. Listen. I agree because when I was first watching it, like literally this, this did not phase me at all. I was like, wow, like that's a great, like lasting repercussion. That's a great twist. And now only thinking back on it and like trying to like pick it apart. I'm like, okay, like that could have been done this way. This is going to be this one this way. (laughs) But like, like obviously like, yeah, it would have been cool to see Aang more, but I, I agree with you. Like lasting repercussions is is cool and it gave ang a final scene with tenzin in the spirit world right before she lost the connection to him yeah yeah beautiful spirit the extended spirit world was really cool and I, you mentioned it earlier but i wanted to go back on it it's that iroh's involvement in legend of korra spectacular perfect it's weird that he didn't die though like he just didn't die no isn't it as he, he just hit, didn't die. His he physical just, body would have had to die. Yeah, but he just like let the spirit world take him at some point. He was like, oh, okay, it's time for me to go to the spirit world. So he didn't really like die. But whatever. <laughs> I, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Iroh. Um, something I want to touch on is the pro-bending. Because I know that it's something that a lot of people don't love about the first season. Um, and then they kind of don't address it in the later seasons. How do you feel about the pro-bending storylines? Um... I want to say that when I first started watching, I was, like, a little weirded out by it. Like, it was a pretty jarring first jump back into the Avatar universe. But I eventually, once it started getting into the Amon and, like, the different stuff between non-benders and, 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 and benders, I kind of – it didn't phase me as much. Once it, once it really hits its stride in season one, I'm like, okay, this is what it's really about. Like, I kind of accepted it. At first, it's, like, a very interesting choice, you know, to introduce us back into the world of Avatar because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Like, turning what Aang, like, spent three seasons to, like, learn all the elements into just, like, a sport is very jarring. But eventually, like, once it got I, – I was able to overlook it when I saw the greater scheme of, like, the season – yeah, I think at times it was heavy-handed. Um, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was a cool aspect. Uh, I wish I explained the rules a little bit better. But I don't know. It, it never bothered me. It's like it a, bothered other, other people. It's like sumo wrestling where you just knock them out of the rings, right? Well, you have to like knock them back. Things like you have one of each bender. And like, will they add airbenders now that airbenders are back? Question mark. 
great question. True. I don't know. They never addressed it. Um, I I do feel they like addressed it a ton in the first season. It's like, this is cool as sport. She should be super into it. It should kind of be like some part of her life for the rest of the seasons. I felt like they kind of just threw it away because people didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but I it never bothered me as much as it, as much as it bothered everyone else. Rami Malek plays there. I know rival. they. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. So. I don't know. The pro betting thing never bothered me as much as other people, but. Can we talk about the animal sidekicks? I was just thinking that. <laughs> I swear. I was like, we have to talk about the animal sidekicks. The animal sidekicks compared to Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Animal sidekicks had to be used more. I love Pabu. I love Pabu, but still does not do much. In the later seasons. Appa does way more. Appa does way more than the three other animal sidekicks. Momo, Pabu, and Naga. Naga or Nala? Naga. (laughs) Sorry. Nala's Lion King. (laughs) Nala's Lion King. Naga. I know Korra's polar bear dog's name. Appa does more than the three of them combined. For sure. Mm -hmm. Appa's the best. But not even like... I don't know. I, I feel like... Pabu and Naga like just were kind of very sidelined after the first season. I would say it's Appa, Pabu, Momo, Naga, ranking, ranking, or or like who did the most, or who do you like the most, or both? Uh, kind of both. Probably I both. think it's a, I think it's the same ranking for both. Yeah, I mean Appa's the best one, and he's done by far the most. Yeah, I I just feel like um at times Legend of Korra almost because of Avatar. Had a lot of characters they had to weave in. Like, they had all the Beifongs. They had Tenzin and his whole family. They had Korra, Mako, Bowen, Asami, like, the main gang. And the villain squads. Like, they had a lot to weave in. So, sometimes they would let... Like, there'd be a season where, like, one person would do nothing. Like, one side character who you want to see would do nothing. Season two, Asami. It's like, take my dad to the hospital. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Lin Beifong isn't even in season two. Like uh, it, season one scene. It, it was cool that they still kept a non-bender in the in the squad though. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't dislike Asami, but at times it was like, go take my dad to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whereas uh, Sokka is definitely he's never sidelined. He's never, and he like, and he's the plan guy too. He's really a goofy like character, but he's also like a genius at the same time. Like, is like he's a super plan guy. Yeah. Do we feel like Bolin is too dumb sometimes? (laughs) No, but listen, like, he's dumb, but at the same time, I feel like he's a great earthbender. I love Bolin. Bolin's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. But he is, like, the Sokka of... More so than Asami, he's the Sokka of... Yeah, no, no, he definitely is, but... uh, But I think he, he makes up for his dumbness with... He's, like, pretty powerful. Yeah. He does help in certain points. Lava Bender, too. Lava Bender, true. Um, what do you think of Zaheer, the whole crew in season three? I love them. They're so cool. Yeah? Except I don't like that the zombie Zuko. But I think they're dope. I think that's like the probably... Zombie, Z- zombie Zuko? What are you talking about? Gazan beat Zuko. Gazan is a... Gazan beat, Gazan beat Z- Zuko. Okay. Gazan beat Zuko? The, the zombie Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think season three is probably my favorite season of the, of the show. I love the, I love Zaheer. I love his villains. 
Um, I, 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 would, I would probably agree. It was probably a tie between that and season one. But I will say... I think Korra just annoyed me in season it's one. It's really much. tough because like my one of my favorite parts of the series is when they uh, discuss Avatar 1 in season two. That was something I wanted to get to too. Um, yeah, I, I, I think those two episodes are some of my favorite of the whole show. Is that only two episodes? Two episodes of Avatar 1, yeah. It's so good. That's such a good episode. Steven Ewan is Avatar 1. Yeah. Glenn from The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, I, I love those two episodes of season two, and I love the backstory of the Avatar. I think that's something that was kind of missing from, from Avatar The Last Airbender, and I, I like, I like answers like that, that like really go into the lore. Um, so I did love that about season two, but season two is definitely not my favorite. Oh no, but like, but I love that those episodes. such a cool part, and they're so well animated. I like that it's a different animation style too. And I, the battle between Juan slash Rava and Batu is awesome, mad cool. It's awesome when he's like flying on clouds. <laughs> it's so cool. I like that his uh, what the I I don't know if they ever give him a name. The the deer guy that he meets he calls him Stinky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and then at the end. Oh. I got emotional when, like, at the end of the episode, there he's sending all the spirits back to the spirit world, and the guy who called him stinky guy, girl, deer person, um, like bows to him. It's like they play the I love that. they play the emotional music. Yeah. It's so it's so emotional. Oh, we're jumping all around the seasons. <laughs> That's a nature of one and rant. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like I think that you know something that I think that. Avatar The Last Airbender did was that it gave each member of Team Avatar an equal weighted emotional arc throughout the entire series. Whereas Legend of Korra, you still care about each member of Team Avatar, but like Mako doesn't have like the same arc as like Zuko did. No, I mean, none of them have the same arc as anyone. Is that like each of them have their own individual arc that you really are invested and care about? Whereas, like, by the time season four comes around, I'm like, all right, I like Asami, like she's cool, but like I don't care about like her arc or anything. Like, like I think her arc, her arc is mostly based on her her daddy issues, like her, and she settles that, and she settles that, which is I actually like Asami's arc in season four. But again, I didn't feel like I needed, but it's not long lasting. It's not like it's not detrimental to like what's going on with the spirit world and, and everything. Like, I feel like everyone in team avatar like has their own place in what's, what it's building towards in the last season. Yeah. I think, I think the arc of, which is also because I knew they were making three seasons versus Korra thing. They were making one season. I think at times they didn't always know where they were going with each of their arcs. Um, I think the first time around, I didn't even notice how much I liked it. But the second time around, I loved Korra's arc because I feel like, so many times I was annoyed at her in season one and two, and then I was never felt that way in season three and four. And I liked that she like went through a lot to eventually become the avatar who she was. And you weren't end, annoyed at her in season four when she like just couldn't get the poison out of her. But it's not her fault. Like in in season one and two, like she would do things or say things, and I'd be like, "You're being arrogant. Like you're annoying." I was watching with my brother the second time around, and I was like, "She's just doing this because she's arrogant." And then I said that a lot in season one and two, and then in season three and four, I never said it. Because she wasn't, she wasn't as arrogant. Like she actually grew a lot as a character, and then at the end, you feel like she is an avatar who did a lot for the world. Like you really feel it. Um, so I love Korra's arc. I did feel like again they had to do a lot with like they had Tenzin to do his arc. They had all the Bayfonts to do their arcs. 
Um, so there's sometimes like a lot going on in seasons that they can't always focus on. They didn't always focus on like doing Mako and Bolin and Asami's arcs as well as they could have. And mm-hmm. Bolin's one of my favorite characters, but he's he becomes very much a comedic relief character at yeah. times. Um, and yeah, I just feel like Bolin, Mako, and Asami, like their arcs bend to what the season needs of them. Not so much where their character's going. Yeah. Completely agree. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a great character. I know. Um, what's his name? The... Give him a nickname. <laughs> Inventor guy. Oh my god, Varric. <laughs> Do the thing. Double drink. Varric and Julie's romance. I live for. Oh. I live for. I love... <sighs> Sometimes if I tell a friend, I'm pretty sure I've done it to you. I've been like, do the thing. And you'll know exactly yeah. what I mean. Julie, do the thing. Julie, do the thing. Um, Varric and Julie or something else. I can't believe we haven't touched on them. Season two, he's like a villain. I forget what he's, he's like doing. He's kind of a villain. Like most, he's like an anti-hero. Yeah, but in season four, he like helps in the end. He, no, he's, a, he's an anti-hero, I feel like. Season uh, season two, he no, season two, he's a villain. Season four, he redeems himself a little bit. I mean, did I say that wrong? Isn't he in season three also? He's in season three, but I don't think he's as big of a character. I think season four is really when he like goes against Kuvira, helps him in the final battle, and then gets Matt. The last scene is at their wedding. Oh, so cute, beautiful. He should probably be in jail though. After all, he's in <laughs> season two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he probably should. <laughs> um, yeah, Varric and Julie are goals. Do you think it's weird that also Suki isn't in Legend of Korra? No, I don't think Suki's needed. I like Suki a lot. But I I don't I consider her a tier lower than the rest of Team Avatar. Okay. Like she very much comes in back at like she comes back in at the end to like help them. Where I think she is Team Avatar, but she's like the next level down from like top. She's like B tier Team Avatar. She's B tier, yeah. That's a good way to put it. So I don't think I needed Suki. Okay. I would have liked and like if they addressed Suki and Sokka's whole whole deal. Gotcha. Some people think that Toph some one of Toph's kids, either Lynn I guess it would be Lynn because she's the older one. Like, Lynn was Sokka's kid. Do you believe that? I don't know. I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. There's, like, one scene that people source, that, or two scenes where I think one of them is literally when they're on the blimp and they land in the water and she, like, is leaning up. I think she thinks it's Suki. I think she had a really, crush on Sokka, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Sokka, thank you for saving me. No, it's Suki, And yeah. people are like... There are things. Yeah, yeah, people fanboy out too much. I don't think that Sokka is either of the children's father. No, no, I don't think so either. Remember when Sokka did the moon? That was weird. <laughs> Seven moons. Seven moons. Cheers. What was her name? Uh, Princess Yuki. Yue. Yue. Yuki. <laughs> I combined Yue and Suki. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I sound like I don't know my avatar, but I do. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, no. Overall, I feel like Legend of Korra expanded on the lore of Avatar really well. When I was first watching it, I really did not have any. Pro- I enjoyed the th- the series thoroughly. Only like reflecting on it, like now you asking me these questions, like how did you feel about pro bending? Like I guess it was a little jarring at first, but really I like kind of accepted it you know i was like there's no way that this is going to be the same thing as avatar because it takes place 
50 years later. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Like, obviously, you could say, like, there's no doubt about it that Team Avatar is more likable in Avatar The Last Airbender than Legend of Korra. But that's not to say that I don't like what they did with Korra's character or, like, what they did with Team Avatar and Legend of Korra. You know, there's some really funny things that they, like, Bolin, like you said, is one of your favorite characters. They He became a moving picture star with Varric, which is, like, a hilarious little, like, tidbit that they added to his character. Korra may not be as likable as Aang, but she did exactly, like, what her character was built to do. Like, she made tougher decisions. Like, her arrogance is what makes those decisions kind of more satisfying when there's lasting repercussions and Mm -hmm. she has the PTSD, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that a big part of the stigma, that the bad stigma that comes from Legend of Korra is that people expect it to be the same thing as Avatar Less Admender. But I feel like they developed it in a really cool way. And I would equally want to rewatch Legend of Korra as I would Avatar Less Airbender. Yeah, I, I, I would like... No, this episode's making me want to rewatch it again. Um, yeah, I, I think there's greatness to be found in both shows. Um, I think Avatar is like one of my favorite shows of all time, so it's hard to compete. Um, I think that Avatar is like more of a perfect show where like they've done... There's very little in the show that I don't like. I think Core definitely does some stuff that I is not my favorite, but they also have taken risks in other ways that I thought that me personally I thought paid off. Um, I think my least favorite things about Korra is probably that it. I wish they did a little bit more with the Avatar characters. Like I wish they gave them each moments, Zuko and Katara specifically. Um, and what else? I think a strength is the complicated ass villains. Mm-hmm. Great villains, definitely. Um, oh, another weakness: they don't capture the same. Which is again, it's a different show, so maybe it shouldn't be trying to. But they don't capture like a story in each episode. It's very much like linear. You have to be watching it to understand what's going on. That, that, that's a nature of like the way the show is designed. Again, but that's something I don't like as much with that with with that, a show like that. Um, Another strength is, like, that they address really complicated and mature issues. The past trauma that Korra has from, from her, like, experiences. Um, I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot to love in Korra. It's, like, also one of my favorite shows. Um, I don't, again, I don't think it's as perfect as Avatar, but I think it is also awesome in its own ways. And it's not, again, if you haven't watched Korra before... Why are you still listening? But, <laughs> but you shouldn't view it as the same show. Yeah, I I think the last point that we haven't touched on yet is: Were you expecting what would happen in the last scene? Yes, but because I kind of had it spoiled. Okay. Like I don't, I I knew that Cora was gonna end up with a, another girl character, um, and then as like the last few episodes came about. It was clear it was going to be Asami. Um, I think that it wasn't like I, I I wasn't I wasn't expecting like if I hadn't known from spoilers I wouldn't have expected it to go that way. But I also think it if they tried to like put in too much before that scene to like show like to like foreshadow what's going to happen, it would have also been confusing and been like wait what's happening because like. That's that had never been been shown in a kid show before. Yep. Um, in ways, I I don't think Asami's like my favorite character, which is why at first I was like not a huge fan 
of of it. Um, but I do I love what it stands for. Like I think it's awesome that they showed like two women characters oh, together yeah. and at the end of a kid show. I wish they kissed. Um, <laughs> again, I get why they couldn't have shown it in a kid show. Yeah. Um, I mean Nickelodeon was doing more than way more than Disney at the time. That is true. Um, still probably doing more than Disney because they they still barely show LGBT kisses, but. You can listen to other episodes for my thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, I love what it stands for. Um, I think it's awesome that they show that in a kid show. Um, I also, in in ways, as much as it wasn't foreshadowed, I think that also makes it like kind of powerful because it's like neither of these characters, like both these characters are such independent characters with their own arcs that it's not like they had to like put their whole story on a romance. Like It's just like something additional to their story. So I think that... It's something that has made me like it more and more over the years. But, again, Asami's not really my favorite character. Yeah. I'll I, be honest. To, to be honest, holistically, I think Legend of Korra is one of the best examples of a show or sort of a sequel anthology type show or story in general doing a great job of differentiating itself, expanding on the lore of what was established in the first iteration. Holist, uh, like I'm being absolutely truthful here. Like I really think it's one of the best examples of it expanding on the lore that was set up in the first iteration mm -hmm. and expanding on it and just doing things that, like you said, like it does things that like w not just throwing it things in for the sake of throwing it in. I feel like they set it up enough in the last for the for the last scene to make sense, but not like overtly just kind of like throwing things in to like overbear it or like to kind of hint at it i feel like it made sense without them hinting at it too much and if i hinted at it too much it would have been like what wait what's going on yeah like it would have felt weird but you know who the biggest gay icon to come out of the show is bolin <laughs> <laughs> i swear i swear i what are you swear. talking about i know my gay icons Bolin? Is he, your gaydar is no, not my. I don't think Bolin is gay. He like ha, is isn't he with um Opal at the end of the show? Yeah. He's with Opal at the end of the show, but like I'm gay, and I know m some of my gay friends like love Bolin. <laughs> like he's like a gay icon. <laughs> I swear, I swear. So you don't think he's like gay in the show? No, you're just like he's just a gay. Gay icon. people love him. Yeah, gay. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like he's like a gay icon. I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. Isn't I it so that. funny? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, He's not actually the biggest gay icon to come out of the show, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's my hot take for this one, rant is that Legend of Korra does a really good job of expanding on the lore. I mean, obviously, I like Avatar The Last Emitter a little better, but I think Legend of Korra does a really, really good job of expanding on the... Uh, the source material yeah i agree um i just think sometimes it's weird how they laid out like i feel like they gave us the three more powerful villains and they tried to give us like the villain that's most like cora and so it feels like that, a little bit of a downer. that I, that, that I, I agree with you on is that like that i think that's why the fourth season was a little weird to me where i was like cora's being like bodied beat by up and bodied by kuvira and she's not like this like grand villain who has like these new powers it's kind of like the same sort of powers but um i mean she's, she's, just, she's just a bender but also one last thing i want to mention how do you feel about the action in Korra versus avatar 
Um, in Korra, I think that they utilized, I think it was around that era where you could see it almost in a, in Disney animation films where they, they use, um, hand-drawn animation mixed with CGI at the same time. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about with like in the Kavira season four, like the big metal suits, mm -hmm. that's all mm -hmm. CGI. Yeah. That's, yeah like yeah. The, it's a lot of that sort of combo. Um, Honestly, I don't find that many differences in like the specific bending styles and martial arts. I would default to Avatar because that's my I, I like it a little better, and I'd like to think like they established like the styles and that's it, in its most purest form. But I didn't notice that many differences to be honest. So I think the main difference, and uh, like I think the main difference is like Avatar is more over the top, like big. Waterman has throw big waves. Firemen has throw big like fire balls at each other. Earthmen has throw huge rocks at each other. I think the Korra style is a little bit more like hand to hand, like pro bending style. Like it's more close combat. Mm -hmm. And at first, I used to kind of like the Avatar style a little bit more. But over over the years, like rewatching some of the battles, some of the Korra battles are some of the coolest battles you've ever seen i saw a tweet the other day and it was like not a day goes by where i don't think about this battle and it was the battle between kuvira and um suyin beifang where they're like um like the like they're like it's like very close combat like shooting metal pieces at each other and they're like throwing armor on one another to like move, like throwing boxes at one another it's like on a it's right before toff butts in you know what i'm talking about i think i know what it's like right about. before toff butts in to save them all they're like Kubira was like standing on this like cannon type thing and like Sue like jumps up and they start fighting and it's like super close combat, super quick. Like it's so cool. And another one that I think of too is like Korra on the top of the stadium with like a mons people where they're like firebending on top of the the pro bending that, stadium. Like, that I remember. Awesome battle. Like yeah. there's a lot of like cool hand to hand combat type battles. Um and I mean Tenzin versus Zaheer and Oh, Tenzin versus Zaheer is is really one really of my cool. favorite scenes in the whole in either show. Um, there's a lot of cool battles in in Korra. I won't lie. And again, the one I mentioned earlier. But uh, but overall, Korra. but overall, what would you what would you say? I mean, there's nothing like the Agni Kai scene in Avatar. But I think in general, I think some of my favorite like battles to watch. I think Korra might have more of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean. Yeah, a lot of the close combat hand-to-hand -hand ones are awesome. I know you like close combat battles yeah. and stuff. In Marvel too, I like it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of cool ones in Avatar too, like Katara versus what's the waterbending master guy, Paku. <laughs> um, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's so many good ones, and I'm probably forgetting Agni Kai, Ang versus the Fire Lord. There's a lot of cool ones there, there too. There's too many to recount. There's yeah. too many. Um, but Korra has a lot of cool ones too. I don't know. I think I like the close combat sometimes. You're making me want to. I, I, I want to rewatch Korra. <laughs> over time, I think the Korra ones grew on me more. Because I thought I liked the over-the-top stuff, but I liked the like quicker hand-to-hand -hand stuff. Maybe we should uh, rewatch the Suyin Kavira one after this episode. We should. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm very down. I agree. With that... Join the heist. Join the heist. This has been another <laughs> Wine and Rant. These are definitely coming out more. We'll obviously have to do them whenever it's, it's convenient for us. But. <laughs>
Join the heist. Join the heist. Thank you.